Welcome to Condensed Matter, condensing recent work in metaphysics and the philosophy of science down to what matters. I'm your host, Sam Kinton Knight. The focus of this episode is Ruth Groff's article, Conceptualizing Causal Powers. Activity, Capacity, Essence, Necessitation, published in Synthase in 2021 as part of the topical collection New Foundations of Dispositionalism, edited by Andrea Raimondi and Lorenzo Azzano. Properties, things like mass, charge, redness and roundness, pose various philosophical puzzles, perhaps the most famous of which concerns whether properties really do exist in addition to the individuals that instantiate them. For example, does the property redness exist in addition to all of the red objects? But another issue concerning the metaphysics of properties has come to the fore in recent years. In broad terms, this is the issue of the role that properties play in the workings of the universe. Now, it's difficult to really get started here without first mentioning the influence of David Hume on contemporary philosophy. Hume's empiricism led to scepticism about notions such as causation and necessary connection. For example, a stone thrown at a window is followed by the window breaking, and we may wish to say that, that the thrown stone caused the window to break. But Hume denied that there was any necessary connection between stone throwing and window breaking. Since we cannot perceive necessary connections, only certain events, e.g. window breaking following other events, in this case stone throwing, Hume's empiricism dictated that we should not believe in necessary connections. So causation, according to Hume, should not be thought of as involving necessity, just constant conjunctions of events. This Humean worldview, according to which there is just one thing after another, has been incredibly influential and widely endorsed. But what does this have to do with the issue of the role that properties play in the working of the universe? Well, according to the Humean picture, properties such as hardness, mass, etc. are completely inert. They have nothing to do with how the universe evolves over time, because everything is just loose and separate, just one thing after another. This view of properties as completely passive agents in the evolution of the universe was dominant until relatively recently, when a more Aristotelian view of properties as in some way metaphysically responsible for what goes on in the universe gained popularity. In short, powers theorists deny the Humean worldview and imbue properties with the power to metaphysically account for what goes on in the universe, and hence deny that everything is loose and separate, just one thing after another. Properties, on this anti-Humean view, are powers. But more needs to be said about the metaphysics of properties understood as powers. Ruth Groff is concerned with disambiguating four different senses in which powers have been understood in the literature, all four of which are, in their own way, anti-Humean. The first notion associated with powers that Groff discusses is activity. The Humean worldview has it that there is no real irreducible activity in the world. All apparent activity is reducible to the constant conjunction of wholly distinct momentary events. This is analogous to how the motion displayed by a flip book is ultimately reducible to many different still images viewed one after the other in quick succession. On the other hand, to be a realist about activity is to deny that activity can be reduced to anything non-active. And to understand powers in terms of activity is to say that things have powers when they are engaged in irreducible activity. The second notion associated with powers that Groff discusses is capacity. For a thing to have some capacity is for it to be some way now, such that it could possibly be some other way that it presently is not. For example, 
one might think of fragility as a capacity. A fragile vase, in virtue of its fragility, is such that it could shatter, even though it is not presently shattered. We can distinguish the possibility associated with capacity from mere logical possibility. While it is logically possible that the vase sang happy birthday, we do not think that the vase has a capacity to sing happy birthday. Capacities, then, concern what we might call real possibilities as opposed to merely logical possibilities. Humeans, arguably, would not recognise this notion of real possibility as distinct from mere logical possibility. Hence, capacity, in the present sense, is an anti-Humean notion too. Understood in terms of capacity, a power is a property that points beyond its actual state to some merely possible manifestation condition. Capacities are connected with real as opposed to merely logical possibilities in the world. The third notion associated with powers that Groff discusses is essence. If some entity is essentially some way, it follows that it could not cease to be that way without ceasing to exist altogether. For example, we might think that Socrates was essentially human. If he had ceased to be human, he would have ceased to exist. Some deny that things have essences because, they maintain, it does not make sense to say that anything is necessarily true of entities independently of how those entities are described or conceptualized by us. Humians are typically sceptical about essence, just as they are sceptical about activity and the real possibility associated with capacity. Powers, understood in accordance with essence, then, are properties that are essentially some way. For example, the property mass is associated with warping space-time. So on the present way of thinking about powers, to say mass is a power is to say that it is necessary that anything that instantiates mass warps space-time. Humians, by contrast, would allow for the possibility that something instantiated mass and yet did not warp space-time. The fourth and final notion associated with powers that Groff discusses is necessitation. Is the world ever such that one thing necessitates another? For example, does the stone throwing necessitate the window shattering? Hume says no, but at least some powers theorists say yes. Powers understood in accordance with necessitation, then, may be understood as necessary connections in the world or the facts of necessitation. The view of properties as powers is characterised most broadly as anti-Humean, but Groff shows that there are four distinct ways of understanding powers that goes against Humeanism. What's more, Groff argues that the anti-Humean notions one may associate with powers, activity, capacity, essence and necessity, are largely independent of each other. In general, one need not endorse all of these notions just because one endorses any one of them. So in order to be clear about what we mean when discussing powers, it is crucial that we are clear on which of the four notions we are understanding powers in terms of. To conclude, Groff sketches her own favoured account of powers. According to Groff, powers are a capacity for activity of some kind. The real key for Groff is the notion of real activity. This is what sets the powers view apart from the inert and passive world of Hume and the Humeans. Furthermore, Groff endorses the idea that most powers are tendencies, they do not necessitate their effects, and she accounts for free will in terms of powers. Humans are fundamental causes in virtue of their tendential powers, and this is what allows for free will. This is an important paper that does a really nice job of disambiguating different senses of the term power in the literature. The view of properties as powers has gained a lot of support in recent years, so it's incredibly important to be clear what we're talking about in order to evaluate the viability of the powers metaphysic. Groff's disambiguation clears the way for substantive debate about the nature and viability 
of an account of properties as powers. My only concern with the paper is with the account of powers that Groff advocates, one which centrally depends on the notion of real activity. My worry is that this understanding risks rendering the powers metaphysic so widely applicable as to begin to look trivial and uninteresting. From the examples in the paper, it would seem that the realist about activity sees activity everywhere, from seedlings bursting through the soil and sun-bleaching wallpaper to deliberation and inquiry. If powers are to be found wherever activity is, then powers will be all over the place and one may be lured into thinking that there is no philosophical problem to which powers may not be applied. Evidence for this is in Groff's own application of powers to the problem of free will. The suggestion that humans are fundamental causes of actions because they have powers just seems too easy to really illuminate such a tricky problem. One thus worries that the powers metaphysic, so understood, will be widely applied to all manner of philosophical problems, but that the supposed solutions that it yields will ultimately be dissatisfying. A further problem that I have with understanding powers in terms of real activity is that it would appear to be in conflict with eternalism, the view that all times exist and are equally real. This is because the eternalist picture seems somewhat analogous to the flipbook. Past, present and future all exist just as all the pages of the flipbook all exist. There's no real change or activity, rather change or activity is just a function of our perspective on the unchanging space-time manifold. Eternalism makes a great many philosophical issues more tractable and enjoys some support from modern physics so I think it would count strongly against the powers metaphysic if it conflicted with eternalism. But of course, Groff only sketches her positive view of powers very briefly in this paper, so there is likely a great deal more to be said in defence of understanding powers as most centrally associated with real activity. (laughs) 